Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grip Locked for the Texas State's preview. Texas State's begins tomorrow on March 25th out in Tyler, Texas. Um, they're going to be playing a new course this year. Should be a good time, but we're going to go Just over on. all of the stuff that you need to know headed into this week to get you ready to watch all this coverage that's coming your way, whether you're watching live, post-produced, all of that. We're getting you ready so that you can enjoy the tournament. Um, but yeah, let's just go ahead and talk about the course. So it's a safari layout and dubbed the thorn. I love that by the way. Great name. The thorn. Course names, uh, are super crucial to like, it's just one of those things that adds to the allure of an event. And a lot of courses are just end up being named after the park, the park that they're in. And like, that's whatever, like it is what it is. But like the thorn like that's sick like oh like we're, we're playing like texas states at the thorn like it yeah. just sounds way cooler so in years past it was at dogwood which is at the same park it's also at Lindsay park cool course, um name. and this year they are using a safari layout that combines basically all three courses that are there uh and combines different holes so it's at the same place as normal yeah. but completely different uh layout and this has gotten some mixed feedback from players because mainly because it fully changes the whole event style. It goes from a technical wooded event yeah. to now a, like, honestly, a good mix. It's not yeah, just wide open golf course style. It's funny but, because when you and I went out and played it, we really liked it and thought it was a great mix. And we didn't, like, whenever all these, like, we started hearing all this chatter about some players not liking it. And for really just the reason, I think, that it is not wooded. It's not what they expect. And they, I think that... The way the tour is now, like they're the guys and girls who like playing the wooded technical courses because that's where their like chances to win are. Like they get really bummed out if they lose one of those stops. But it's like, I don't, it's better for this. It's better for the sport to have more mixed layouts. I think a you get the best of both worlds. Yeah, and B, it challenges every player for spectators. Like dogwood would just be impossible because we played dogwood. Yeah. And like it would be impossible. And the, yeah. who knows what the signal would be like. And honestly, I don't feel like we're sacrificing quality of an event. No. By any means. I think no. we're, in, honestly, my opinion, after playing both courses down there, I think we're getting a much better tour event. Yeah. I being think on so this too. hybrid course. It's just been fascinating seeing players and fans because the players are getting upset. Because a lot of the fans that I've seen talk about it have been talking about it before there's been like footage and stuff released. Yeah. So they're just like, oh, great. Another just, boring Heiser Fest. It's not like that. I'm like, I, I mean, I obviously release everything on hyzer, so I sure I threw a lot of hyzers, but I didn't actually throw a lot of hyzers. If yeah, that makes sense. no, like, it was you have to hit gaps, and it's very particular about where your shots landing. Right, it's going to challenge players' entire bag uh, on this course. Like I, I threw a wide variety of shots off off the tee. There was never like, oh, here we go, because on a golf course you can get. Here we go. Destroyer on Heiser again. Destroyer on Heiser. And yeah. that can get very boring. Well, it's not that style. Of course. What I found was that kind of like you mentioned on. There obviously are holes where you have to hit gaps, but even on the ones that felt more open, it was the landing spot was very yeah, important. Yeah, it was very crucial. And then there will be, like, I think a lot of players are just frustrated too because if it is windy, which the forecast looks like it won't be super windy, but if it is, because like it was when we were there, that'll become a huge factor. Yes. But, I mean, that's that's just kind of part of the game. I but, think we're kind of in a similar situation. As, I think they're just frustrated. Uh, I think some of them are just frustrated. Yeah, well, I think we're in a similar situation as last year. We went through like a spurt where it seemed like every tour stop was on golf courses yeah right now we're in the texas swing and we're in week three of the tech the final right. week of the texas swing and i think that it feels like right now all the players are doing is playing in wind 
And so I think it's yeah. a similar vibe. Like they just get frustrated. There was nothing wrong with the golf courses last year. It's just when you're stop after stop after stop is golf courses, yeah. it gets very that, boring. That is same a, thing with stop after stop after stop is winded windy Texas golf. It gets boring. Yeah, that's that is the thing about the disc golf tour because of the way they accommodate all the players that are just driving. Like you can't just jump all across the country. Yeah. time after time because yeah, it would be great if we just if you basically took the tour and chopped it up back and forth so that we're getting wooded technical east coast stuff mixed in with the west coast open trees and like the park style stuff like but we it's just not how it works so yeah i mean because the bottom line is they're gonna go shortly after this a couple weeks they're gonna go to wr jackson and play a very technical course yeah so it's coming like it's gonna happen eventually Mm -hmm. and then probably at some point they'll be tired of the wooded stuff like yeah that just happens at the end of the year yeah nobody (laughs) yeah nobody's gonna nobody's always gonna be a fan of every layout but i thought yeah i thought the course was i'm gonna be entertained watching it absolutely there's a good mix of everything yeah and and again it's even though it is a more open course it's not a like wide open field boring hyzer fest like there is plenty of hit this gap, your disc needs to land over here, which is the same aspects of a wooden court, wooded course. It's just, there's not trees in between that anymore. So, but if you're off, if your lineup's off, you're still going to have to be scrambling, even though you're yeah. in the open. What you The video of us playing the course will actually drop later today. And you'll see plenty of times where we threw decent shots distance wise we hit the initial gap, but because of where our disc landed, we didn't have an approach to the green, yeah. or we were you, you still had to scramble even though we were in the open. I think the only thing that would that will change my mind will be obviously Hunter and I don't have tour distance. We're yes. we're 150 feet short of it really. So the only thing that's going to change my mind is if those guys get out there and they see lines that Hunter and I didn't realize were there and they exploit the course, which I didn't, there may it be, it didn't a, seem like a ton was, there possible. may be a couple holes where it, something like that can be done. But I thought that a lot of the par fours and par fives or whatever was out there, there like Hunter and I were having, there was a good bit of them that Hunter and I couldn't even reach. Yeah, so which means that they'll be able to reach in two good shots. Right. I don't, I don't see the course necessarily getting exploited. That's the only thing. I that do think that it's a mind. very scorable course. I think that double digits yeah. under if assuming the wind's down, which we'll look at the weather here in a second. But I think even with it the wind, it's not very that, doable. Like we played in, I mean, it was gusting over 30 miles an hour. It was like steady 15 to yeah, 20. Yeah, there was a wind advisory. The day wind advisor. Yeah. And, and Hunter and I, even in that were able to play like, somewhat we were able to throw pretty competent shots on a lot of those holes it's not like there were times obviously the wind just bodies your disc but like i mean i felt like i didn't have like too much difficulty navigating and i'm not even very good so i I don't know we'll see yeah no definitely see so let's look at the weather we've talked about it quite a bit out here uh so tomorrow when the tournament starts it's looking like uh it's gonna be a high of 76 when the fpo feature card tees off looks like it's gonna be around 56 degrees five mile an hour winds pretty much nothing uh by the time the mpo lead tees off it's going to be about 73 74 degrees only five mile per hour winds as i'm saying so if i this the tomorrow is a very big scoring day based on what hunter and i saw and like maybe this will just be a freezing cold take but like hunter and i based on how we played the course if the wind is that low and it's nice and warm and those players are out there like i would expect the mpo hot round to come in 
It could be. It's got to be double digits. Down. It's got to be. Yeah, I would expect like 12, 13 under. Because it can be hot. Hunter and I, no win could could shoot under par there. Yeah, just just under par, but we could get under par. So like those pros for sure now, could get the double saying digits. that one of the two of us after you watch the video is going to sound crazy, but I fully agree with you. Playing that course a second time with no win, <laughs> I, I think that we we are capable of scoring under par out there. Yeah, which means the top of the game is definitely there, capable of scoring double digits under. Yeah, I would I would think hot round comes in the 12 to 13 range yeah so and then saturday again high of 82 degrees uh when the fpo lead cards teen off it looks like it's going to be about 63 seven mile an hour wind so a little windier yeah and then when the mpo leads teen off it's gonna be 80 degrees at nine nine mile per hour wind so wind still relatively low right um but it will pick up a little bit and then sunday's gonna be the windiest day uh fpo lead will tee off around 63 degrees nine mile per hour win and mpo lead will tee off around 78 degrees with 12 mile an hour wins it's not like drastic though so sunday there might be some gusts over 20 miles an hour because they are going to be in a little bit of a more open park area so there might be some wind come into effect on late saturday and sunday but i would expect this course is going to play pretty scorable i'm gonna say that you're gonna your mpo you're gonna have to shoot we're gonna go you have to go 30 under or better to win yeah, I would say average around nine or ten under. Yeah, is probably I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say probably like I think 32 wins it. If someone gets to 32 under, okay. they win it. Yeah, I don't. If they go 12, 10, 10, I would say right around 30. Yeah, I I think the only thing that I don't know about the course is how it's, the scoring separation is gonna. Yeah, look. I'm not. I'm not sure what they've it, done with OB. There's definitely scoring separation out there. Yeah. And I heard in Brody's video him talking about some OB right. that we didn't notice, but it didn't seem like. It None of it like seemed it like it was too close. Out of the way of like protecting between fairways. Right. Where That's what I was getting the vibe. I, I think that um, there really isn't a lot of blow potential. So really, if there's any scoring separation, it's just going to be because some players aren't like making a ton of birdies, like making the birdie putts. Uh, I don't see a lot of blow up potential. I mean, there's some here and there. Out there. There's some danger to get in, but you it's going to it's going to require some bad play. Yeah, it's, it's really not, it's not like really there's a, just a couple whole like I mean because the only I think no not to spoil anything but I really only took like one big ish number and I think it's because that one hole like there was a road that I threw yeah. into but like other than that like there wasn't a lot of places that my disc was landing that I was like oh that is like jail you're taking a double from here so I feel like any of the scoring separation but there, be, there are those places on the course yeah you, but you do have to throw a bad shot yeah you have to throw a pretty bad shot to be but there. I mean you get too big of a skip or something like that you get too yeah. aggressive on some of the shots there those places do exist but it's not it's not like i wouldn't be surprised to see a pretty jumbled up score yes card. i would agree i, I think it'll be jumbled i think up. the course plays tough enough that there will be scoring separation from like the really good players to the player like you're not going to have random you know low thousand rated players pop up into the the top yeah. five for all three rounds but it, it's going to be wild enough that uh 10 15 10 10 rated player something like that uh, so like a very very good player that has like really high ceiling but also a really low floor if they play towards that high ceiling there's not enough that like they can have a bagged hole or two and still save par yeah. to where they're not going to have blow ups like that fpo we can't talk too much about the course because the fpo tees weren't in when we played uh or if they were that we didn't have the layout so yeah. I, I noticed in the caddy book that they were playing shorter tees on several different holes I can't really provide much insight there. Typically, it seems like they've been able to incorporate those tees in a way that is pretty organic to where the course plays the way it's intended to play. So hopefully hopefully that trend continues because then you can 
you can look at it kind of similar. Yeah. Now on the MPO side, Ricky is coming into Texas States. The Pro Tour just posted a graphic where Ricky has never played Texas States and lost. Uh, people were pointing out like there's some years missing in the graphic of when they said Ricky's never lost Texas States. For them to say Ricky never lost, obviously he didn't play the years that are missing in the graphic. Yeah. So uh, coming into it, never lost, but with the course change, it's different basically course. a whole different turn. Yeah, it doesn't even matter. So it'll be interesting to see how he attacks it because I think that will give like you're still on the same property and it's still the same tournament name so like there's still some type it of is, confidence walking in it is but fu- it is funny that like uh you have the the guys that were complaining about i don't even know like who i just heard chatter that they're like technical players containing complaining that like oh they might not have as much of a chance in because it's not a technical course but at the same time like ricky who can dominate both styles of courses is the one that you have to beat anyways so yeah. like it's not like it's not like the winner of this event each year is like a guy like michael johansson or like some technical technical like niche player no it's ricky like yeah he, he's just the one that dominated yeah, you anyways. Gotta, you gotta beat the same player yeah uh now eagle obviously is not here because he's missing the whole Texas Texas swing, but there has been a little bit of an update in his injury situation. So he announced in a video that he uploaded to his channel recently that he's getting an MRI in the coming days or weeks to look more into his injury. He's, after researching, seeing how he feels, he's like self-diagnosed, but not really. He, he suspects. He, he suspects that he has a torn labrum in his right arm, not his left arm, a possible torn labrum. So he's looking into possible treatments that would get him out on the course quickly. But obviously, we hope he's able to figure out a way to get back on the course at 100%. And, you know, Brody and I talked about on debate night, with an injury like this, it's obviously more important to, like, take time off now when you're young in your career and find a way to get back to 100% than it is to try to get back out there as soon as possible and you're at, like, 80 90% and you either shorten the longevity of your career or you're just never able to get back to that 100% mark. Yeah, so. and the injury the injury thing is like kind of not been hugely present in disc golf like mm-hmm. over the years because you know, you see in other sports all the time. Like look at a guy like Zion Williamson in basketball, somebody who is like supposed to be like one of the next greats of the of our generation and like who knows like he's out for the rest of the season right now. Who knows how many times he'll touch there have the been court. Some clips of him Throwing down some dunks again. Well, he's out for the rest of the season. I know, but he's back but like in, in the gym. In any case, one-on-one. I'm just saying, okay, Greg Oden. Under the leg, dunking. Duke like, fan I mean, here. He, but he's kind of back. There are, there are plenty of players who are just shut down because of injuries. and never Derek really Rose get, is the best example. Yeah, he, he's a good one, yeah. because He was a MVP. Early, was he first-year MVP? Like, was he a rookie No, MVP? it wasn't his rookie year. He, but fast, very early in his career, he was a dominant player. Yeah. And then knee injury, knee injury, knee injury. Right. And he's a role player. But he's just not the player you would have expected when you yeah. watched Derrick Rose. Bo Jackson's game. career is ended by injury. There's just yeah. there's a ton of examples in disc golf. It just hasn't really been. We haven't really seen that yet. But like, and it's so brutal. But like, imagine you know there will eventually become a, a scenario where like a, a young and talented player, maybe somebody who either has already risen to kind of the top of the game or somebody who you just suspect would, and then their career is kind of sabotaged by an injury. Um, I really hope that isn't the case for Eagle, but labrum stuff can be serious. It yeah. can have long-term effects on your throwing arm. Um, but it's just one of those things that you, it's almost like it kind of like woke me up. Cause I was like, man, like that's only something we haven't seen in disc golf yet. That happens all the time in pro sports is like this career that like everybody's rooting for. Like, it's such a certain thing that like, we've seen it. Yeah. Cause we've seen like Paul, we've seen like what did Paul do to his knee. 
Right, but so he, he tears ACL or is his MCL? meniscus? Meniscus. But like we've like had like right we've back. had hiccups, but we've yeah. never like and we this haven't is, had one. This is throwing. Paul Ulibarri tore his ACL. Right, but this right is back. this is throwing yeah. arm. No, we haven't had one that like the player never gets back. Right, because like when you have something with your with your labrum, like that's something that you just might not be able to control. Your forehand might just never be right, the same. Exactly. Backhand, you should be able to get to where you're because it won't affect range of motion this way too much. So you just might lose strength though. That's the problem. Uh, disc golf is a lot more about flexibility than strength. We I, know that. Well, yeah, but it still matters. I think backhand will be able to get back to 100%. No question. I think forehand PhD. is a tough one. No, I think, I mean, I would be shocked if this is an injury that prevents his backhand. Like, if he suddenly is throwing 550 instead of 650. I'd be shocked. We'll see. But the forehand, definitely. Because this range of motion with your shoulder. But hopefully the MRI shows it's not a torn labrum and it's just something else. Or if it is a torn labrum, it's very partial and it's just like a physical therapy, get you back to 100%, not a big deal thing. But I would be surprised um, if he plays the rest of the season. I'll tell you that. I wouldn't be. I think he'll be back at Champions Cup for uh, possibly like a return that's backhand only, and then I think he takes a little bit off. I think he's so back you th- by so you think it, oh, okay. mid-majors. My thing is he was able to be throwing and feel comfortable enough to play a few events, and then I'm, I'm more confused as to why the MRI is happening now I'm just versus shortly after the injury. I'm just saying if, it depends on the diagnosis, obviously. But if somebody t- like if time to recover is mentioned, and I know that I have this, I have so many years left in my prime, and it, I think at all it could benefit me to take a year off. I, I'm, I'm I gotta put. It I away agree. For a year. I am too. But in the video, he was like, "I think I'll still, no matter what, I think I'm gonna try to still play yeah. Champions Cup." Well, that is which the, tells me the, that. That's not his th- his problem. Well, I right think now. I guess if I mean if, if he's getting surgery, I think his He never mentioned surgery. He mentioned stem cell. Right. Was his uh Well, I think his thought process was like if the if it comes back to where I'm gonna have to take time off anyways, then I might as well play on it for one more major. Like that that is a thing that a lot of times athletes will do is like I mean, Tiger Woods won the US Open that one year on like a broken leg pretty much, but like played it because it's not like it was he's gonna have to get surgery anyways, so he he just went out yeah. like that. But It'll be fascinating to, to kind of see how that develops, and obviously we're hoping Eagle gets out back on the course at 100%, hopefully uh, sometime soon. Uh, another storyline is Haley King will not be in attendance uh, because she's been unable to travel through some storms in the Midwest. Yeah, um, that's a bummer. Yeah, and that's just nothing. I mean, obviously you can't do anything about that. Cause she's like, a defending champ. Yeah, so that's what it kind of sucks because I think that even with, with the course changes, I think it probably would even played better to Haley King's strengths yeah but not going to be out there this year um unfortunately so let's get into some keys to victory out here so this one these aren't going to be stat backed because they haven't played this course so this is going to be hunter's gut and from me playing the course backed hunter's so gut. some would say it's even more accurate than stats honestly <laughs> i would say i mean take that for what it's worth hunter's guts better than stats here i am mpo <laughs> i was lost my spot uh, for MPO, I got two as always. First one, controlled distance. Distance is going to help a lot out there because it is an open course, but throwing far without concern for where it's landing isn't going to really do much. Players need to accurately get down the fairway. Like Trevor and I were saying, there's many spots where like just getting far down, that might be great, but you might still be taking a par because there's no line where you got far yeah. down. So being able to be in control of the disc is almost more important than just 600 plus foot distance out here. Being able to throw 
450, 500 and knowing the general area it's going to land and getting yourself far enough left on some holes or far enough right, that's going to be crucial. So control distance, if they're able to do that and be smart about where the disc is ending up, the course is very, very scorable. The second thing is playing the wind. Uh, if the wind is like it's showing, players really need to take advantage of it when the wind is down. So like mm-hmm. on holes that are gusty, the course is going to play way harder. So on holes that you get up to and there's not wind, you're, players are going to have to take advantage and score on those holes because especially like on some days if a player has an earlier tee time a little bit like on this first day and the afternoon might just get gusty huge advantage you can have there if you're yeah. uh you know 10 30 tee time and the leaders go off at 340 and the wind is just picks up out of nowhere unexpectedly for the leaders you might be able to get sneak in a 10 12 under and the feature card which has a lot of the best players in the world right now on those feature cards they might not because of the conditions they might only be able to get five six under right and have that six stroke head start which in a three-round tournament that could be the whole tournament so yeah. that's the mpo keys to victory on fpo first things first get off the tee uh it definitely seems like the tee shots there's a lot of par fours and fives on this course it seems like the tee shots are a lot more important than the second shots because yeah. the second shots some of them are technical some of them are hard but if you get off the tee well they're not yeah very straight a lot of the second shots too are, are pretty similar it seemed like there's a lot of just like low ceiling just kind of control straight shots yeah like there wasn't there wasn't any there wasn't a lot of very complex up shots yeah so the fpo players are going to need to not just hit the gaps but kind of similarly to the mpo i don't think distance is crucial crucial but making sure that you hit the gap and get to kind of where you want is going to be crucial out there and then uh and then the second thing is going to be damage control so there are some holes out there that can have teeth if you're in the wrong spots, again, not having a line to the green, making you forcing you to take a par or an FBO if you're far enough back might force you to take a bogey. Yeah. And also there's some holes where the woods on the right are kind of death, but they're not OB. You just don't want to be in there. Or there is OB on some of the holes and stuff like that. So damage control where if you end up in one of those situations being smart and not trying to go for something to save the par and yeah. end up taking a double bogey or worse, but just pitching out, taking a stroke being okay with a bogey in some of the situations if your drive doesn't go where it's honestly i i do see when i think about it i feel like a lot of the opportunities for bogeys on that course are going to be players being out of position off the tee and then trying to go for something heroic on the second shot yeah um i think that that could be where we see the most mistakes made so yeah there's your keys to victory for mpo and fpo let's get into our predictions as we wrap up the show coming into Texas States. Uh, Connor is currently in the lead at 13 points overall with his predictions. I'm in second at nine points overall, and Trevor's in third at six points overall. Quick refresher on how this works. We predict the top three MPO, top three FPO, and our Dark Horse pick. If we get a player in the top three but in the wrong spot, we get one point. If we get a player in the top three and in the correct spot, we get three points. And if whoever's Dark Horse pick wins, finishes highest, gets two points, and the Dark Horse pick is outside the UDISC top 50 is how we have to pick that. And so whoever wins that gets an additional two points. So Connor is obviously not here uh, today. He's in Charlotte with his family. So he texted me his predictions. So I'll just go over his whole list first, and then Trevor and I will give ours. So on MPO, Connor's got Paul coming in first, Ricky coming in second, and he snuck Emerson Keith in third. Emerson. That's his third place. Played, I feel like we haven't really heard Emerson's name too he much. He played okay last week, I yeah, believe. Might be, it might be a good pick. Maybe Emerson's coming into form right now. On FPO, he went Katrina, Kristen Tatar, and then Paige Pierce third. Pretty stock FPO one, two, three there. Yeah. Uh, and then his dark horse pick is Casey White, which I think is a pretty great dark horse pick. That is solid. Yeah. Um, 
All right, so let's start off with MPO. I'll go through my three, and we'll go your three. MPO, I have Calvin Heimberg winning this this one. I have him taking. How many down. times were you going to pick Calvin to win before he doesn't wins matter? This is it. So zero <laughs> more. This is it. He's due. Calvin Heimberg's taking it down. Paul McBeth is coming in second, and I think that the Pro Tour post jinxed Ricky. Mm. I think that Ricky's not be able to overcome the Pro Tour curse on their Instagram posting that he's never lost this event. So I'm going Joel Freeman sneaking into third place. Okay. So Calvin, Paul, Joel. You know this course is interesting because to me it it really reads like a very like nothing pops out to me as as like this course um, is going to play to this player's strength or the, that player's strength. It kind of seems stock to me, and as far I think it'll balance out. So. It's one of those where I think the leaderboard could honestly just be a jumbled mess. Yeah. Um, which in that case, you kind of have to pick the best players. So I'm going to go with Paul winning, um, Ricky in second, and Chris Dickerson in third. You're the only one of us three that picked Ricky in the top three, which means... No, 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 no. Connor picked Ricky as well. Connor okay. picked Ricky. I was going to say, I was, y'all are gonna to, I was looking crazy. at it, I was like, we're going to be idiots when Ricky wins this thing <laughs> by 10. And you win who in third? Chris Dickerson. Dickerson. That's a good pick. All right, that's a good top three there. Just going with the hot hands. I feel like Paul and Chris have hot hands right now, and, and Ricky is getting better by the by the week, so he'll be informed. All right, let's go ahead and get your FPO top three. FPO, uh, similar strategy. You kind of have to. FPO has kind of like, I'm really throwing Paige out of the mix because ooh. I just don't like. I don't know why I'm saying, ooh, I did the same thing. Yeah, I don't know why I have any reason to put her in the mix. Um, She's right. finished second a bunch and then this, sixth once. This year? Yeah, she went second, second, sixth. It just doesn't feel that way. I feel like the only one she came second at um in the second or her second. Maybe event. it was All Star. She came second. Yeah, I was like she doesn't. And she she doesn't have two seconds. Vegas, Waco. Yeah. So it was two, second and sixth. So fake second place. Yeah, second and sixth. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, in any case, I don't trust Paige Pierce. I really don't right now. Um. So I've got Katrina winning because she just seems like the hardest to beat right now. And then Kristen in second. She honestly could win this. I think she's probably due. And then I've got Val Mandahano because she's been impressive. So I've got her in third. And I, I guess- have a very, very similar. So I have Kristen winning, Katrina Allen second, and then Val Mandahano in third. This is this is like this is what it becomes a lot of times in the FPO is there's just like always this group of players. And it kind of rotates throughout the year. Like I, I feel like last year there was a time where it was, you would pick like Paige, Haley King, Owen Scoggins, and then like it would change to Paige, Cat, uh, Kristen. Like it, it's just like that trio just rotates. So right now, this is kind of our trio that like we think are going to do well. Yeah. Any given week, really. Yeah. Now on the dark horse side, I picked someone who hasn't made the U disc rankings yet. That's dark horse. Which is the darkest of horses, but I just think he's. Gonna, I think he's going to do it for me, Mister. Hype beast himself. You just called him a hype beast? Silas Schultz. Can't put that on the spots. I haven't been in hype beast, so. Silas, Silas Schultz. Schultz. Why did I write that he for played, you? He played That's well mine, last week, right? I, I didn't even. I didn't look at a single stat. <laughs> I didn't look at anything. You didn't even know anything about it? I'm pretty sure he actually did play really well last week. week I didn't before, look at a single well. stat. I just know he makes great TikToks and reels, and uh, okay. he looks good bold, while he's playing. Bold so. strategy. Um, I went with Paul Omen. Oh. 73rd in the world and the reason being i actually his name stuck out to me because he i think he was like in second place going into the second round at belton or i think it was belton may have been waco but he had he went 25th and 24th respectively at the last two events so like he's been playing Pick really the hot well hand. yeah all right so there you have it that is the Dang. <laughs> i just threw my tape in straight off the table that is the uh preview show hopefully you've enjoyed 
Uh, be sure to check out the coverage. It'll be on Disc Golf Network Live if you want to watch that, or obviously post-produced on Jomez, Gatekeeper, GK Pro, all that good stuff. And uh, you can find us live-tweeting it over on Twitter quite a bit. We'll be watching the coverage as much as we can throughout the weekend. We do have a tournament on Saturday, so take that into Big account. Tournament. Saturday, we might not be glued to our screens, but I'm also going to be trying to do the... Uh, I'm also going to be trying to do the Twitter Spaces rack, uh, recaps after every round like I have been doing. Those have been going good. So if you want to kind of get your two cents in on what happened during the day, you can pop into the Twitter Spaces. And obviously, I'll be going over what I saw, what I think was good, what I think was bad out there, and all of that, all of that jazz. So be sure to check that out. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you on Monday with the official Grip Locked recap show and go over everything that went down at Texas State's. <laughs>